Hello and welcome to the What the What Show. How are y'all doing today, people in listening land? My name is Eric Creech. We're glad that you're joining us today. And we have Kyle Whitley on the couch with me. Here I am. And finally, after many, many, many attempts, not only do we have Ashby Brame on the What the What line, but we also have her on the Facebook Live line as well. We do. So we're very, very excited to have Ashby join us both audio-wise and for a Facebook Live crowd. Video-wise as well. I'm here live on the scene. That's right. She is doing a live on the scene report from her office. From my house. Yes, from her house. Yes. Reporting all the things that have happened at her house. Yes. Uh, How's the uh, how's the cat and dog? It's a. It's going. Yes. Yes. It's uh, it's also raining cats and dogs. Is it hailing outside? Because it was hailing on my way here. No, yeah. I mean not that I know of. I finally got the cat to leave me alone. He's just sitting underneath me, staring at me. And then the the dog had to go in her crate while I was doing this because last week was a unmitigated disaster. Not a, we wouldn't call it a disaster. You just got to put up that ghost that kept opening your door. That was the creepy thing. Yes. Well, the ghost is in her crate. Great. <laughs> The old ghost crate. The old ghost crate. Old Delta ghost crate. That's how we do it. Yin and yang. Spark st- starts the fire. Yeah. How many more things can you throw out there to keep the podcast going? No idea. How many more lingos can I throw <laughs> oh out there? Oh, my goodness. Touche. Touche. Yeah, Touché. That's a French word. We you, we can use that word now. We now know what it means. It means truth. Let's see. T- Facts, already my good man. Minutes, I've used Facts. ambient. I use touche. I've used unmitigated. <laughs> you know, I, I see that word of the day toilet paper I got Ashby for Christmas is really paying off. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I just wrap it around my hand <laughs> and read. <laughs> Increasing her vocabulary. It's like, wait, that's Ten a good word one. At a time. <laughs> <laughs> no, listeners, I did not get her word of the day toilet paper. <laughs> but you will. But now I am. That would have been awesome. <laughs> Eric, I feel like we should have planned this a little better. Because we've been doing really good about keeping our distance. Now, we know that, like, COVID is very real and very serious, and we take it very serious. Please know that anybody watching on Facebook land right now that Eric and I are pretty much considered in each other's bubble, where we see each other constantly enough that we are pretty much family at this point. We are family. So, I don't just come and sit on Eric's couch once a week to do this and, you know, sit too close and not appreciate social distancing. We are Next family. Time, either you can sit on the couch or I'll sit on the couch. And then we'll get like a tall chair or a stool. We and the just, other one will sit behind like on a bus. Can, uh, can we add more than one Ooh. video at a time? Uh, get a lifeguard stand for Eric. Yes. Ooh, yes. A little callback. need back. that right here in the corner. Right there in the corner. Yeah. Please. Or I can finally take the Christmas tree down. And we can put it there in front of the window. I just I like the lifeguard <laughs> idea because there's part of me that says that, and it's like you can't do that. You know, you're an adult; you can't have a lifeguard stand. But no, it's just like, because we're it's your house, you just can't because have a we're cool stand. doesn't mean we're not adults. I mean, well, that's the my thought is like there's that and brief just because moment. we're adults doesn't mean we're not cool. That's exactly. true. Exactly. There's that brief moment that was just like you can't do that, but then it's like wait, yes, you can. Yes, we can. It's your house. Nobody's going to come and regulate your lifeguard stand. 
That's right. You finally mm-hmm. reached the moment that you waited for as a child that you were like, you know what? When I'm grown, I'm going to have my own stuff. I'm going to have my mm-hmm. own house. I'm going to be able to do whatever I want. There's a very real possibility we're going to have a blanket for it in here next week. Just a heads up. Nice. <laughs> now that we're talking about it. So can we just have a, popcorn as well. We can have popcorn and blanket forts, and we can do the podcast from inside the blanket fort. That's fine. A little juicy juice boxes? Mm-hmm. Uh, the only light yeah. we'll have well, will no, be no, a flash McDonald's is bringing back the orange high C, so yes, we might solid. do that instead. Oh. I mean... It's not ecto cooler, oh. but you know it'll do. Well, I, it makes me wonder: Are they going to bring the ecto coolers back? Honestly, because with, with, with new, Ghostbusters yeah. coming out, the, the, think of the marketing there. I mean, that writes itself. I mean, Ashby, you're in marketing. Tell me that it writes itself. It writes itself. See, touche, I mean, touche. <laughs> that was a very ambient and whatever the other word was response. <laughs> now, why are we actually here? I well, can't remember the other word. <laughs> well, folks, uh, we want to thank you for joining us. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And, of course, rate and review us five stars only because we are everything you say we are. But we're capable of so much more. Oh, that's good. Please follow us on our social media channels by searching for What The What Media. All, All one word. word. On Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We are also on Twitter at WTW underscore media. Please share this with your friends. We would really appreciate the follow, the subscription, everything. All the things. All the things. We might even give you a shout out. Who knows? So, All the things. All the things. One random quick question. Can you read the comments? Sure. Like, Are there comments happening on Facebook? There may not mm, be right Not now. that I can see. Yeah, we don't have any I, I can see either. But, okay. Well, yeah. I'm just saying if you see any. You may have to be the one okay. to read it because we're pretty good far distance okay. from our phone. I mean, we're six feet. From, we're social yeah. distancing from the phone, but, but my I can't see. But it. my eyesight is very poor. Yes. So. <laughs> Sorry I'll keep to interject. With it. Right now, all I see is two viewers, but I did share it to my personal Facebook, so we might have a few other oh, we people will. jump on. Do you see how many people jumped on last week? It was literally just Ashby. They couldn't hear us. They didn't care. They just saw Ashby, and they're like, "You know what? I'm going to watch this. I want to see this." Michael I mean, Thompson not to say in. I told you so, but. <laughs> hey, there's a reason when you were like, oh, this was just fun. This is still your thing. And we're like, no, no, it's not. It's our thing now. You're here. You're not. The people you, have spoken. They have. <laughs> so it gets shown. But oh, man. back to what we were talking about. My bad for jumping off course. Okay. So last time on the podcast, you heard us commiserate over those songs you hate to love. Breakup bangers and ballads. That's and on today's episode, uh, ballads. What? Commiserate. Commiserate, yes. It's a great word. Okay, I'm going to read. I know that, you know, there are people listening at home that didn't quite get that. So yeah, sorry. Start over. SAT. My bad. Words of the day. Uh, last time on the podcast, you heard us commiserate over those songs you hate to love, breakup bangers and ballads. Did everyone have time to look that up in the dictionary? So that was a great wording. The alliteration there. And so again, off topic real quick earlier today, I'd sent Kyle Nashby a message about, you know, the idea of us writing a children's book, like series. She didn't respond. She didn't respond. And I'm thinking either she hated it or she liked the idea so much. She's going to take it and do it by herself because she doesn't need us getting in the way. Mm. So, Well, <laughs> <laughs> she's just so good with words. I'm just she saying. Is. I mean, like that's just 
I think she'd be good for, you know, writing words to little, you know, four-year-olds. I mean. So to defend myself, my first thought was, I'm way too busy to respond to that right now. Fair enough. And That's my second fair. thought was, have these fools forgotten that I have a minor in literature? <laughs> did we know that? I don't know that. Yes, You've, we did. You know how I know that? How do you know because that? Because we talked about that on the episode of Mr. Holland's Opus. We did talk about that two weeks ago. You're right. That might have been the part where so, I wasn't well, listening. Yes, the answer is yes. I would love to write a children's book. Yay, like what the what publishing? What? Well, we'll let somebody else publish. We'll just <laughs> take the credit. All right, well, well, I don't know. You know, one of our goals was to become a media conglomerate, and publishing could be under that umbrella. I'm just saying. Just saying. That's true. I'm down. I mean, it's not the first one I had in mind, but honestly, I mean, I read, I read Pete the Cat to like some students every day, and Pete's wonderful, but I also think to myself, if we could create a character and we could write little fun stories like this, I mean, that that could be like just fun to do. Just mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, aren't we just following you know Maslow's hierarchy of millennial needs? Oh my Start goodness, she she is publish your own book. Look at her diving into my world. <laughs> I forgot. I don't even know what Maslow did anymore. But I'm, but I but gonna, I recognize the names. So. I feel like we'll that's hand- from my management psychology course. I feel like we'll wow. handle. The children's literature part, and then Ashby will jump into the teen novel versions of ours. So That's as fair. they grow. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, she'll, That's we'll, right. we'll, we'll, we'll the start the audience, version. and then she'll recapture them as they go into their middle uh, school years. She can write, help write the stories, and then me and you will dumb it down. Yes, and then it's like she'll take the uh, characters into darker and deeper places as they grow up and that's true that's right yes. i'll layer in an emo soundtrack i'll yes. do a lot of like hand touching and i can hear the, i can hear the you know uh my chemical romance as we speak <laughs> yes i'm excited mm-hmm. for this can we do that can our, like, our storybook just be an, a young emo child yes i was thinking of a like mm-hmm. a like a bear or something but we can do that, that emo too. bear that'd an be emo fun. bear i <laughs> mean i used to draw this robot a teenage named emo bear teenage emo bear yes <laughs> What are we talking about today, Ashby? <laughs> <laughs> On today's episode, we are taking a deep, deep dive <laughs> into 2017's Wonder Woman. Here's your spoiler warning for today's episode. While Wonder Woman will be the focus of our discussion, we can't promise we won't delve into Wonder Woman 84, which came out over the new year, or any of the other current DC Universe movies. So... Here's your warning. Warning. If you seen any of those movies, go watch them right now, real quick. And then no idea back. what that sound was. That was me. That was my <laughs> warning sound. Just letting you know. Oh. Okay. So, so let's wrap ourselves in the lasso of truth and give a brief, truthful recap of the movie. Before we do Eric this, let me, do for us. let me get one okay. more thing out of the way. Oh, my goodness. So we can just focus on Wonder oh, Woman. Oh, Lord. Well, I walked into work, I think it was yesterday, and Michael Thompson said, I've been listening to the latest episode. I was like, oh, yeah? He's like, yeah, I really enjoy it. Let's turn the way to work. He's like, I tried to tune in last week, and all I could see was Ashby. And he said, I was a little late, but all I could hear was Ashby. I was like, yeah, well, that happened. And I'm walking out of his office, and he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, what's up with her and Bassessi? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, I heard on you know the episode they're talking about like their love life or something like that. He's like, and I try to keep up with you guys, but did I miss something uh, between her and Bassessi? Like, are they a thing? And I had to like slow down and be like, oh, like this was all a 
a joke type thing. Ryan jumped in at just the right time on one episode, and it just kind of went out of hand. And he was like, oh. He said, like, well, I didn't know. Like, it just happened, and he just kind of, like, briefly threw it out there and kept going. So I was like, I've missed I mean, out look, on let's this. Let's just let, let the, legend, the legend live, you know? It's just... We well, created our own mythos. I said this would be the perfect, amazing opportunity, and we could just run with it. And the, I was like, they could be great for each other. I've started reading um, Maniac McGee to my third and fourth readers um, this this past week, um, and I don't know if y'all remember reading that in elementary school or not. Um, I read it in fifth grade, um, but there's a line at the very like in the prologue of the book where it you know what's fact or you know what's fact and what's myth. You know, it's hard to tell, um, and it ends the, the prologue ends by saying. Don't let the facts get in the way of the truth. So, never let the facts or the truth. Let's don't get the facts get in the way of the truth here. And never let the truth that Ryan and I are dating. Maybe <laughs> is it factual? Who can who say? Knows? <laughs> <laughs> never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So we're going to give a brief or not so brief, depending on how verbatim I read this recap of the movie. I guess I'm taking it away. Yes, 2017. 2017. We're in a movie in a world. In a world we where wa- Wonder we, Woman. We comes watched this around. movie together, didn't we? I assume so. I feel like, I feel like we did. This was this was in a world where we went to movie theaters. When we used to go to movie theaters. I together. know. Actually, no, because this all <laughs> happened before we had a chance to ever go to the movies with you. Yeah, we never went to the movies with you, Ashley. I meant like the two of you together, but sure, okay. I mean, we yeah. want you to come <laughs> the next time we can actually go. We want you to be there, so. Do you want the front row or the back row? Back row, always. Mm. I'm tall. My vision's going to stink. I was just trying to think of a way we could all get in the same theater together. (laughs) Maybe you sit on one end of the back row and I sit on the (laughs) other. Because my neck's going to hurt if I sit on the front. Either way, Wonder Woman 2017. All right. Diana Prince is entering the Louvre in Paris, France. Speaking of French words. Um, you know, I thought about opening my own art gallery called Louvre 2, um, but they, you know, had a copyright issue there. Uh, a van from Wayne Enterprises delivers a briefcase from Bruce Wayne. We may know him as the Batman. Who which, knows that? Oh, spoiler. He's, Bruce Wayne is Batman. Spoiler. Which contains an old photograph of Diana along four men during World War One. That was a weird way of saying world. world, world. In a world. In a world. Where there's a war number one. Yes. A note from Bruce says he would like to hear the story behind the picture. So, going decades back in the past, when she was a child, Diana grew up on the island of, and I'm going to butcher the name of this. Actually, I'm not going to try to. How do you pronounce where she's from? Themyscira. 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 Yes, of course. I know words. Yeah, she's not just a singer of that song about her hips not lying. Um, The mighty Amazons, an all-female warrior clan, live there secretly and secluded. She watches the warriors training on the field under the general... I'm going to butcher all... Why did we pick me to do this? Antiope. Antiope. Robin Wright, uh, who does an amazing job. Yeah, I was guessing on that one. Antiope sounds wonderful as well. Uh, Diana wants to be a fighter like the rest of the Amazons, but her mother, played by Connie, (laughs) played by Connie Nielsen, (laughs) hippopotamus. Hippopotamus. You give him all the easy words. (laughs) You guys are the worst. (laughs) We are the AT and T of people. (laughs) Queen hippopotamus. Stop it. Stop it. Forbids her daughter from training. 
And she tells Diana that Zeus made the humans with a good nature, but Ares, the god of war, corrupted them. Humans were filled with suspicion and jealousy. They were constantly at war. The other gods tried to stop Ares, but he killed them one by one. Zeus also struggled until with his last strength he hit Ares so hard that he was forced to retreat. Quote, 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 end quote. Later, Zeus forged a weapon that can destroy Ares, and with Zeus's dying breath, he created the secluded home for the Amazons with an enchanted barrier to hide them from the rest of the world. Diana wants to see the great weapon, so uh, her mom, Queen Hippopotamus. Hippolyta. Hippolyta. Yeah, that, that. Shows Diana the powerful sword known as the God Killer. She explains that it can kill the god Ares, but she hopes that there will never be a need to wield it. And uh, not antelope. Antiope. Antiope Antelope and Hip Hop Anonymous. We're good to go. (laughs) Again, (laughs) this was a bad idea. Um, She convinces the queen to let her train Diana, wanting her to be ready to face Ares because they all know he's still out there. Um, So she reluctantly agrees, and through the years, Diana is subjected to harsh and intense training in the field, and as she reaches adulthood, she continues training to be as fierce as the other Amazons. Um, So, yeah, let's just cut through some of this, because it can take as long as the entire movie for me to read all of this. Um, Especially with these names. Yes, especially with these names. Um, A plane passes through the barrier of this... um, How do you say the name of the place again? Themyscira. Themyscira, yes. Uh, before crashing into the ocean, Diana dives into the water and swims towards a plane. A pilot named Steve Trevor, played oh, you by... got that name. I got Steve Trevor pretty easily, okay. yes. Played by Chris Pine um, on the Mount Rushmore of Chris superhero actors. Is sinking as he cannot break himself free from his seat. Diana pulls him out of the plane, takes him to shore. And as she becomes surprised to see a man for the first time... German soldiers following Steve make it past the barrier as well. And the Amazons arrive as they find Diana with Steve, but they also see the Germans. The Amazons are ready with their arrows, and the Germans aim their rifles. The arrows are launched, and shots are fired. The Germans make it to the shore, and they battle the Amazons, and several Amazons are shot dead while the Germans get taken out easily. Um, Antiope? Antiope. Antiope. Next time, yeah, we need to put, like, you know, phonic phonetical phrasing uh for for me the the teacher yeah antiope <laughs> so, fires three arrows and wants to kill three soldiers one soldier aims his gun at diana and antiope leaps in to take the shot and she dies and she tells diana it's her time to wield the god killer um so steve is interrogated with, before all the amazons with the lasso of truth he's forced to confess that he's a spy with allied forces and he explains to the amazons about world war one and how he's learned of a sinister plan by germany uh to uh, connect, uh, concoct a new bioweapon, which Steve claims is unlike anything he's seen before. He tells the Amazons they are in more danger than they realize. Steve acted as a spy in the German army before stealing Maru's notebook. Maru is the doctor, Dr. Poison, a.k.a. Dr. Poison, um, who is helping concoct this new bioweapon. And he's flying away with it as he destroyed the German's other planes until they followed him to the island. And Diana realizes this must be the work of Ares. Who else could it be? Of course it's Ares. So, Steve is allowed to bathe in the Amazon's fountain to replenish himself. Diana walks in, accidentally sees him nude. We're going to skip over that part. Um, so, uh, Still fearing that Ares is behind the ongoing war, Diana grabs her shield lasso and then takes the god killer sword from its holding. 
along with her battle suit, and she goes to tell Steve that she will help him get home if he takes her to Ares. And they go on the boat. Great little conversation uh, there on the boat. Diana and Steve arrive in London. They meet with Steve's secretary, Etta Candy, played by Lucy Davis. And they have to find Diana an appropriate outfit for, you know, 19-teens London. For sure. I mean, A lot of great options, by the way. Fantastic options, yeah. Great montage. And, you know, this plays off well in the sequel you know, in 1980, where, again, they go through some wardrobe changes. Um, so, yeah. Steve brings Diana to meet his teammates. They stop at a pub. Um, and they, let's see. Diana believes that Ludendorff, who's the German general, believes that that is Ares in disguise. And they're going to go to a place called The Front. And The Front is basically, you know, they're walking through the trenches and they're trying to get to the the main headquarters of these German people. There's um, some the great no man's land little scene. Um, German soldiers are firing upon her. She deflects her bullets with her gauntlets. She beats down the enemy soldiers. Steve and his teams follow. They, she takes out most of the soldiers on the ground. They help her leap to the sniper tower, which she instantly demolishes. The townspeople celebrate. They cheer for Diana. And, you know, they... Uh, they later learn that Ludendorff will be attending a gala the next day. So they um, um, they go. Sir Patrick, uh, who is a close confidant, Sir Patrick Morgan, um, who's a close confidant of Steve, um, warns him not to go, but Steve decides, you know, he's going to go anyway. And Diane and Steve have a little miscommunication there. And Steve does not let uh, Diana kill Ludendorff um, before there is some gas bombs pumped into the nearby town. So it's learned that Ludendorff plans to use a plane to drop a number of gas bombs down on London. Diana rushes to an airbase where the German soldiers are gearing up for their attack, and Diana beats down some soldiers before making her way to Ludendorff. He inhales Maru's strength gas and fights Diana, and he puts up a good fight, a decent fight, you know. I mean, especially against, you know, this this uh, this Amazon w- woman. and um, Warrior. A warrior, of course. A wonderful woman wonderful warrior. Wonderful woman warrior. Until he runs to the roof and she bursts through and she impales Ludendorff for the god killer. I mean, it's all, all he dies. All is well, right? But then she sees that the soldiers are still pushing the gas bombs into the plane. Mm. Steve shows up. Diana confuses why the war isn't over if she killed Ares. Steve says that maybe the war isn't a result of a god, but rather that they're just bad people out there. Spoiler warning, a hundred years later, it's still true. Um, so he leaves and Diana looks back inside Ludendorff's office to see Sir Patrick and he, she realizes that, wait a minute, this guy, this is the guy who's actually Mm. Aries. Yeah. So he tells Diana how he only provided secret influence to people like Ludendorff and Maru to get their work going, that it was their own evil as well as the darkness of other men that led to the war. Diana tries to kill Aries with the sword only for him to destroy it. Oh no. Wow. This is just like that time, uh, Mew Mew got destroyed. So, yeah, Mew Mew. Mjolnir. Mew Mew. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Mew Mew. I forgot. Mew Mew. Mew Mew. I knew it was a thing, and I knew it was called a thing. Come on, with Darcy Lewis and back in our lives, it's always Mew Mew now. So, true. 
So Ares tells Diana that it is she who is the real weapon forged by uh, Zeus, not Zord. Zord's a Power Ranger term. (laughs) Forged by Zeus. How cool would it have been? That would have been really cool if she'd have called upon Dragon Zord there. Plot twist. So she's the real god killer. Using the lasso, Ares shows Diana what can happen if she joins him and they rid the world of mankind. And, of course, she refuses. They begin to fight. Steve and his team gets past the Germans. They consider shooting the plane down, but the explosion would kill anyone within 50 miles. As Diana and Ares' fight extends onto the tarmac, Steve runs by Diana, says something quick, and he gives her his father's watch. He hijacks the bomber plane, flies it away, and as he gets high enough, Steve aims his gun at the bombs. He takes a moment to consider what he's doing, but he knows what he has to do. He shoots the bombs. He takes a moment to consider what he's doing. I've already read that part. And he sacrifices himself as the plane blows up. Diana sees this and yells in agony. And Ares only uses this to try to sway her even more to join him. And he dons his armor. Ares brings Maru before Diana and removes Maru's, uh, removes Maru's mask. There's some alliteration for you. Mm-hmm. Um, to reveal her disfigured face. He tries to convince Diana to kill her. But Diana lifts up a tank and she recalls what Steve just told her. He said he can save the day, but she can save the world. He told her he loved her before taking the plane. Diana drops the tank and lets Maru get away. And Diana tells Ares that she believes in love. She's like the darkness. She believes in a thing called love. Mm-hmm. Just listen to the rhythm of her heart. Mm-hmm. Ares fires a blast of energy at Diana, but she absorbs it with her gauntlets and directs it back towards Ares, destroying him for good. The soldiers are then broken free of their corruption, and everyone celebrates the end of the war. Diana sees a wall of fallen heroes, including Steve. Back in the present, Diana sends a message to Bruce Wayne. Rumor has it he's Batman, by the way. Thanking him for the photograph. Yeah, I know. <laughs> never heard of him. And leading her keep a piece of Steve. Her voiceover then reassures that she will continue dedicating her life to justice. Police justice. No, no, no. Just superhero justice. Mm. With that, Diana leaps across the sky to continue her work as Wonder Woman. Yep. Excellent. Yep. Excellent job. Great job. Send it home. Send it home. All right. Well, let's start with this one. Oh, yeah. We're not done. (laughs) Let's start with this question. Ashby and Kyle, do you like this movie? Yes. Yes. Yes, I do. I do as well. How about you? I do. I think it's the... Best of the DC movies, uh, the the most current run of DC uh, extended universe movies, the DCEU. Um, I really think after um, they had Man of Steel, which was not a bad Superman movie by any means, um, but then they followed it up with Batman versus Superman and the Justice League. Um, I really think, and I think we've talked about this before on an episode, um, might have even been on our Avengers pod, but I think DC tried to rush uh, what they were trying their their own in universe or multi, you know multiverse plans um, after seeing how successful the Avengers were and they really put out two what should have been awesome movies but they were awful movies in my opinion so bad that they're even remaking the Justice League to come out on HBO Max using the director's like intended cut. Um, and we'll see if that improves the movie any. But on the heels of all that, Wonder Woman was a beacon of hope and light that, you know what, maybe all their properties aren't that bad. It was directed by Patty Jenkins, who did a fantastic job. Um, this movie is notable for being the first 
um, superhero movie starring a woman as its only title character. And you say like they rushed. <laughs> and you're right. I'm not arguing that at all. Um, but I feel like that is the one thing they got right. This is the Marvel. one thing they got right. She was the one thing they got right in Justice League. The one thing they, one of the things they got right in Batman v Superman, um, and like I said, it, it's been four years, and this is still the best movie DC has put out, and um, and that's not because they put out some bad movies since then. They've had some decent showings, but this is a very high quality film. It's very enjoyable, and uh, even though I did not get a chance to rewatch it, my memories of watching it in theater, I remember just being blown away and thinking, oh. Well, maybe I can enjoy the DC Universe after all because this movie rocked. Mm-hmm. Same. I agree. Yeah, I I agree with all of that. And I, you know, I've been very vocal about the fact that I think that where Wonder Woman shined is that it was directed by a woman and it was directed by someone who had not directed any of the previous DC universe movies. And because of that, it was sort of, you know, it brought in new ideas, new concepts, new ways of shooting. Um, This ended up being one of the lightest DC movies. And I mean that literally, like I could actually see what was happening on the screen. There was a lot of color to it. There was a lot of brightness to it. And it did a really good job of sort of balancing the humor and the gravitas, which I think Marvel does really well, but DC had not done well up until this point. Like all of their movies were, were dark and dreary and rainy and with this like super dark color palette and, you know, how dare Superman be funny? How dare Batman be funny so there was no jokes it was a lot of violence um and that you know whether you have opinions on what the character of batman or superman should be like and how the justice justice league should be you know brought to the screen i think that wonder woman came in to this universe and just brought like a, a literal breath of fresh air and so it it was something so new to DC audiences and I think that you know the movies that followed it were better for it I mean to a certain extent you started seeing them bring in different directors for things like Suicide Squad they brought in more color I mean if you look at Birds of Prey sure there's a ton of violence but it is a very colorful almost like neon bright movie um And so I think that they sort of learned that they could give homage to comics that were probably historically kind of monochromatic, um, but they could bring more color to it, to the screen, and it would still have that same tone. Um, I don't know if I'm doing a good job of explaining this, but anyway, I really enjoyed this movie. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I agree with all of that. Like, I think you are doing a good job. The thing... I don't know. Like I agree with everything was just so dark. Um, and me being the bigger like Batman fan of the group or whatever, like or DC fan of the group, like I feel like they jumped in and were like, okay, we can be the more serious ones. Um, whereas the same way, if you look at the Avengers, we talked about how bright 
even all the characters were then, like how almost like the comics they were, which is what the director wanted. Um, I think with this, you are right. Where I feel like Batman, if he had his own movie, it should be dark or should be darker. Superman, by all means, should be bright and colorful and everything that he's known to be. He is the good guy of the two. Um, and I could, like you say, I just feel like he got to this point with Wonder Woman that they finally broke out and just said, we're going to do our own thing and make her who she needs to be and who she is um, and not worry about all the other things and trying to combine her with something else. While in the midst, technically, she's t- you know remembering a story brought on by Bruce Wayne, she's still at that point is just able just to have Wonder Woman's universe and let her be herself and let you become to know her and enjoy her in that own way as well. That's how right. I feel anyway. All right, so uh, what worked the best for y'all? I really like the history of it because thinking, like, I grew up watching the old TV show um, with Linda Carter. It was one of those things that random times, especially I feel like maybe more during the summer, you'd wake up and it would have Adam West Batman play and then Linda Carter Wonder Woman play. Um, but truthfully, beyond that, I didn't know much about Wonder Woman. Besides like being in random cartoons that I watched growing up, I had her action figure, but I didn't know a ton about her more than just her lasso and her invisible jet. And honestly, that was about it. Um, so really... And being the first time she's ever made it to the big screen in this way, where they've tried before, they've tried multiple times to get things started, but they finally have an opportunity to explain to the world who Wonder Woman is. She's not just the woman hero that has a shield or whatever else, or you know, a lasso. Um, so finally, they were able to do a good job of telling us about who she was, letting us become loving the character for who she is, um, and to see how powerful she really is as well. Um, I don't, you know, they didn't necessarily embellish on any of her, um, her powers. They didn't, you know, make it to be stronger than what she is. That's really just who she is and how strong she is. Um, so for me, I just really enjoyed the backside of things or the history of it coming to get to really know who Wonder Woman is and actually really enjoy her as a hero and actually like her other than just having a rope and an invisible jet. Yeah, I feel like the set is what really stood out to me watching this movie for the first time. You know, Themyscira is this, you know, almost mythical Amazonian, you know, island that's populated, you know, by immortal sort of women, warriors. And there's a lot of mythology real mythology real greek mythology in wonder woman and i feel like that kind of grounds it but i feel like it's really easy to go campy when you're like it's an island full of women that are warriors and they wear armor and how can we make it sexy (laughs) of course um but the way that they treated the mascara and the amazonians and their culture and what their armor would look like and what their training arenas would look like and how how would we sort of make this look if this was a real ancient culture and it felt so grounded to me i mean it was almost like watching 300 but with women you know and i felt like they gave it the gravitas necessary to make it feel really real and so because of that 
because this is an origin story, even though we leave the mascara pretty quickly, Diana felt real and grounded because of that. Like she, we, we felt like she had history. Um, and so I really loved just the initial um, setting and costuming for that, that part of the movie. And I felt like it carried the through line really well because then when she shows up in world war one london looking like amazonian warrior you know it didn't feel weird it just felt like she was out of place because she was so i just thought it was really well done you know what it reminded me of what reminded me of thor and thor's first you know interactions there in new mexico and um like just you know the the warrior kind of out of place, you know, from a different, you know, it's like if Asgard was an island and not another like planet. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I can, I can see that the, the, I can see the similarities there and I think they did a really good job of not playing it for laughs necessarily. I mean, there was some humor involved in there, obviously her first time seeing Steve Trevor, um, you know, just obviously there's, there's some humor to write there and they went for it. Um, but that wasn't the focus point, though. That was just, you know, part. It it, it really worked together um, very smoothly, I think. And um, so I would agree that was something that really worked well. As someone who had very little Wonder Woman knowledge, um, you know, unlike someone like Batman, uh, who had a cartoon, and Superman even had his own cartoon. You know, Wonder Woman didn't really have cartoons in the 90s. I know she had her own TV show, but that was before my time, and I didn't really watch the um, many of her um, reruns like Kyle did. She was on Justice League whenever they, the same people that put out the animated series of Batman. Yes. But it wasn't her own show. Like she yeah, was yeah, she was on Justice League, but, I, but that was, again, that was something that came out after I'd stopped watching sure. cartoons. I mean, or, you know, animated series for, with superheroes on a regular basis. So, um, so I, I just had very little knowledge of who Diana Prince was and, you know, the mythos of Wonder Woman. And my only real knowledge was she was the female version of Superman. And, you know, that was like a very, that was a very basic understanding. Like she was really, really strong and, and she was, you know, just a butt kicker and she was like the, the counterpart to, to, to Superman. It's interesting you bring that up because honestly I had forgotten that. Like, until this movie and until we get to know her as she is now, that was the mindset. Well, she's just the female version of Superman. They probably will date each other because that's what happens. Um, but after this, like, I feel like we finally have an idea and Wonder Woman stands on her own and her own character now. Right. That that mindset had completely gone away. And it was one of those things that you mentioned. And it's like, oh, yeah, wait a second. That is what it was growing up. Well, and that's one of the things I really enjoyed about this movie was she was she was the lead. She did not need Steve Trevor to come save her because, I mean, I know that sounds like really cliche to kind of talk about the damsel in distress, but I mean, in, I would say 90% of superhero movies up to this point, there was always a damsel in distress that needed to be saved by the male superhero lead. Okay. If you look at all the Spider-Man movies, you have Mary Jane who always gets in trouble somehow. You look at the Batman movies, you've got... Uh, Nicole Kidman's character who gets kidnapped in Batman Forever. Um, if you look at um, even more the more recent Batman movies, you've got um, um, what's her name, Rachel Dolls, who gets kidnapped by the Joker in The Dark Knight, and she's also you know plays a role in 
in uh, Batman Begins. You look at Iron Man and Pepper Potts is in danger here and there. And just, um, it's just, it was very refreshing to see that, yes, this, she is the title character. She's the main, but even then she does not play second fiddle at any point to Steve Trevor other than him just kind of helping her blend in in 1918 London. And that is honestly like 2017 was well overdue for something like that. But again, that worked the best. And I think we've talked about representation um, across superhero movies. And one of the biggest complaints or one of the biggest knocks against female superheroes is they don't sell toys. And I remember when this movie came out, all the, the toy lines that came out, not only that, but also the girls who bought those toys. Mm-hmm. I had a coworker who works at um, another school now, but her daughter is nine or 10 now. So she would have been five or six years old when this movie came out. And she was Wonder Woman that year for Halloween. She wanted all the Wonder Woman toys. Um, her brother, who was a couple years younger, loved Wonder Woman too. Thought it was awesome that, you know, that there was a girl kicking butt. I mean, he didn't care. I mean, it, it didn't matter. And I think it's just wonderful that this movie really showed that something we already knew, something that should have been true 20 years prior, that a woman can be a lead in a superhero film, can be a role model for not just the bo- uh, the girls, but the boys too, can sell a ton of merchandise and can lead their own franchise. And to me, that is what worked the best for this movie. Not that we didn't know it couldn't happen, but they not only proved it, but they really, without a shadow of a doubt, invited anyone to even make an argument so they could just knock that argument back down again. I feel like, too, that was the big thing in the news at that point, or at least comic news, was the fact of she came out, the movie came out and did great, you know, for what it was as well. But they, you know, even just the idea, I mentioned it briefly earlier, about how Marvel hadn't done this. They had included Black Widow and stuff, but they never had once given her a full, you know, single movie by herself. And to that point, you know, it's years now, and they're finally coming out with one, you know, delayed because COVID and stuff. Marvel has two movies with a heroine super um or heroine superhero mm-hmm. in the title ant-man and the wasp mm-hmm. and captain marvel yes which honestly i feel like if it wasn't for what we saw with wonder woman we would not we be w- getting a black widow movie in my opinion no we wouldn't get black widow at all the other ones i feel like at least you know you would have gotten some but i still feel like it's the fact that dc did this they put it out there they took the risk as far as the studio is concerned and did it but they felt very confident from the get-go and that allowed Marvel to see that as well, and like you know what, you know, obviously that works. Let's do this, um, and so they were able to proceed with their other characters. Um, and and, I, and just not, not to make this, I thought we'd make every movie about Marvel versus DC, but I will say this: this is the one area, like you said, that DC has over Marvel, mm-hmm. because I feel like Marvel's just been playing catch up with stuff like this ever since. And you see it in Infinity War. You see it in Endgame where they have this contrived moment of all the women superheroes coming together because of womanhood or whatever. And I just feel like that's their that's their response. Like, well, we can do it too, but it, it does not work as well as, as naturally as 
Diana Prince as a character, as a leading person works here. Um, and I think Marvel will eventually get that figured sure. out. I mean, Captain Marvel was a very good movie. I mean, it wasn't the best movie. It wasn't as good as this movie. Um, and I, But I do think they'll figure out that, that point without kind of like – you know, like I feel like you know that sometimes they're trying to make the point to prove they can make the point, and that's not the point. <laughs> the point is that happen naturally, if that makes sense. Um, and I think I think they'll figure that out. But this is where DC it's the one area where DC has them beat. So, any other thoughts, Ashby, on this? Uh, what worked best, or any continuing? Nope. Cool. Um, what about nitpicks? I'll let y'all go. I, I have, have to one. think about this one for a second. Okay. Um, again, you look at my sheet. Well, if you have to think about it, then why, why are you? It's not what I think about. It. I was gonna let y'all go. Why do you want to let me go? If you, you have notes, I don't have notes. Well, I'm ready then. Okay, then go. I'm going. Calm down. Well, I I just the reason. Hold on. The reason I said that I had to think about it is because I feel like I'm always, especially where movies like this, where I really love them, and it was the first one that. You know, and I, I remember watching it for the first time, and I, I don't want to criticize it because I'm just like, I loved everything about it. But I want to really think about, like, you know, especially now that we've had Wonder Woman 84 come out, if there's anything like, you know, now that I can kind of look back in retrospect, I want to really consider my answer first. And, and I understand that. And, and we're not, we're not going to get too far into uh, 1984 today because it will probably get its own episode at some point. But I will say I do have very notable criticisms of that movie. Um, but I, I also struggle yes. with coming up with some decent criticisms for this movie. I'm sure there's some nitpicks there. Um, you know, I do, you know, I guess like the idea of, the one-off villain, again, is just its an ongoing issue. I felt like Ares was not that compelling of a villain, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, but you also and it was run- also hard for me to find him believable as a villain because he's Professor Lupin. Yes. But that's on me. Yes, of course. Um, so he should have been a werewolf, honestly. But there's the crossover we missed. Make it happen, WB. <laughs> My thoughts, and I remember, I remember literally in the theater watching this and having this part. Is I loved this movie so much all the way through it, especially when you're seeing her in the middle of the war. You're seeing her very planted in a real-world atmosphere and situation, um, surroundings and everything else, that they got to the end of this movie, and then once she's finally fighting the big bad, the big bad character, it literally just goes full CGI, let's go crazy, here's everything. Um and I feel like DC's had that issue the same way you go Batman versus Superman. You get to the end, they're like, okay, throw all the budget at it, give this character very all CGI, everything is CGI. Like, and for me, that just takes away from it. Versus if you're seeing her really like her fighting some of the soldiers in the war and during those times, and even fighting off the you know deflecting bullets and everything else during that time, I I appreciated that and enjoyed that a lot more versus all of a sudden. Here she is, like the background, everything just turns fire and red and everything else. Like literally, I was watching it yesterday, at least that scene, and it just really feels like they're literally standing in a green screen right now. There's random fires around, but there's like the environment disappears. Um, and I get it, like, you know, he's supposed to be near like a near godlike character, near, you know, super strong, super crazy. Um, but 
And that's a personal thing for me. The same way I mentioned in some of the Marvel movies, how it goes very heavy on the CGI towards the end versus the real world side of it. Um, I just feel like there could have been a little bit better of a part there. It didn't take away from the movie and ruin the movie for me. I still think it's a good movie. Um, it's just that's something you see in every DC movie so far. Um, Suicide Squad did the same thing where it was very like, you've got some really down to earth characters, you know, some extreme ones as well, but then they get to the end and it's literally just CGI everywhere. Like I just feel like they could do a little bit better with that to include more of a real world setting. Um, even if they were just fighting still more of a real world setting around them. Um, but I just feel like that's the thing even with justice league and even with them redoing justice league now, or, you know, the edits and how they've changed, some of the CG on the, some of those characters, it still looks like just some giant CG character versus somebody they're really fighting. But once again, that's just a critique that I have personally with all the movies. So he digresses. See, can um yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Okay, cool. Um, do you have any other nitpicks, Ashby, or? Yeah, mostly just with Aries, I think. And not because he's Professor Lupin, <laughs> but <laughs> legitimately because for a lot of the reasons Kyle's talking about. And I, I, <clears throat> I think that not to get too into the weeds with uh, Wonder Woman 84, but I, I understand why maybe some of her powers weren't immediately apparent up front in the first Wonder Woman. I think they wanted to sort of, you know, sparingly give us, you know, little glimpses of what she's capable of because she's also figuring it out as she moves through the years and she gets more comfortable with herself and she tries new things and, um, you know, she matures and moves through the decades and moves through the human world. And so we're not going to get every single, you know, comic canon power of Wonder Woman revealed up front in this first movie. However, that being said, it was a little unbelievable to me, I guess, at a certain point that like her first foray out the gate, that all she has to do is, you know, bang these wrist shields together and she defeats a literal Greek god. Like, I get that, like, she has a birthright, and I, I understand how all the mythology plays into it, but it's like Ares is defeating her, and then Steve Trevor dies, and then she just, like, knocks those gauntlets together, and Ares is dead. Right. So, I, it, it was that in fight scene. I love the interaction between her and Steve, and I love the speech she gives him, and I, I liked all of that, um, and I love his character, and how it, that all plays out. But, yeah, that fight between her and Ares was just a little, like, well, okay. And, and I'll, <laughs> I'll even say the the idea of Ares, this was a character who we know in hindsight after seeing the movie, he was on screen a lot. But building up to that climactic scene where he reveals himself to be Sir Patrick, um, he we don't know anything about Ares other than he's the god of war. There's a lot of exposition right. about him. There's a lot of dialogue and conversation about how he's bad and he's, the, you know, but he's not really an antagonist, you know, like the idea of Ares and being the guy who is responsible for starting these wars or corrupting the people um, to start a war. 
the idea is kind of the antagonist, but you know, you think of any kind of classic superhero story or any kind of story where where you have a protagonist and antagonist, you know what you're dealing with up front. Like, you know, if you, we go to let's say I don't know, let's say like Guardians of the Galaxy, okay? We know Ronan the Accuser the entire time. Sure. Okay, he's we, we it's not revealed later on that Drax was running the accuser. Okay, mm-hmm. we know who he is. We know what his motivations are. Um, we know every you know whatever. Same thing with um, like Ant Man. We know Yellow Jacket. Um, you know uh, what uh, whatever his real name is, but we know he's a villain the whole time. And I'm not saying like the whole surprise switcheroo, like oh, the, this person you thought was your friend was really the villain the whole time. It, it, you know, I'm not saying it can't work, but I don't know. There just wasn't a lot of. I don't know. It just it didn't work for me. Where we have a believable um, protagonist and Diana, someone we want to believe in, but we don't know what she's actually fighting against. And I know there's probably some right. philo- there's probably some philosophical points in there where you know well she was fighting it you know or she was really fighting for mankind's humanity and all this other stuff and I know that's something that they touch on again in Wonder Woman 1984 um, and it's a nitpick of mine there too but I don't know protagonist wise or antagonist wise I just again Aries just does not work for me so um, anything else you want to add? That was good. That's cool. a good point. Cool. I want to go backwards then for what what, right. what also worked the best. Okay. Wonder Woman's like score. That was in my next mm. section. The music. Okay. So in we the can, random section that so, was just kind of so what? we we can well we'll jump to that in a second then. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next question is: Do you have any unanswered questions about this movie? And I do have one. Uh, okay. So mine would be sort of a tie into my nitpick, which is: Is Ares really dead? Okay. Can you kill a god? I mean, depends I on know. depends on your definition. I mean, you know, are the Greek gods considered like like our um, Judeo Christian god that we kind of see as um, like all knowing, all powerful, you know, never dying, or are they just beings that are higher than humans on the evolutionary chain? But well, also not, killable because, like, if I mean, I know it's Greek god, Norse, Greek mythology, and Norse mythology are different, but we have Thor and Loki in the Marvel movies, and um, and Odin, who is many, 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 many years old, but he is also killable, but he's also considered a god. So I don't know right. if the same idea works here with the Greek gods. Well, didn't at the beginning they say that he killed Zeus? Well, they said he killed many gods, including okay. Zeus. And I'm not trying to like prove a question; like I'm just randomly thinking about it right now, like. Yeah. I, I don't know if he's dead or not. Yeah. Or if it's that easy to kill him. I would mm. honestly, I don't I would know. hope it's not. I, 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 well, honestly, I hope he doesn't come back, so I hope he's dead. Oh, that's true. So, <laughs> my question um, is about Diana. How does aging work with the Amazons? Um, especially her being half goddess, half Amazon. Um, like I see that she was a kid. We see shots of her being a kid in the next movie too. And she, when she reached adulthood, does she just stop aging 
Or is she like a Steve Rogers type that ages very, 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 very slowly? And eventually we'll see some gray in the in, in that beautiful dark hair. I don't know. But, I mean, how does how does aging work there? Is she immortal? It, does she not age beyond a certain point? So, I'm not sure about the Amazonians as a race, like as a people. and. I can't remember if they're supposed to be immortal or if they just age very slowly because Diana obviously grows up, but we don't know how long that took. I mean, the, the Amazonians have been on the island since, you know, ancient Greek times. And we have to assume that the people that are the generation above Diana, most of them are you know, her, her mother's age. So like Queen Hippolyta and Antiope are, appear to be in their forties, we'll say like a really spry. They do appear healthy, to be a little older. 40. Yes. Right. And so, uh, you know, did they, did they age to that point and then stop aging or have they been aging up to that age over thousands of years? And did it take Diana a thousand years to get from little toddler Diana we see to like late twenties, early thirties Diana that we currently see. And then you throw in the wild card of the fact that she's not really a true Amazonian. She's half that and half God. Well then like, I don't know. I don't know how she would age. I don't know how quickly she would age. I don't know if she would get to a certain point and just stop aging. You know, the gods can technically in Greek mythology be ageless like they're beings that can appear to be anything I mean Zeus can be a white bearded old man or he can be a spry 16 year old or he can be a gigantic white swan so like I don't know I don't I have no idea how it works I mean we have a little bit more grounded I think mythos with Steve Rogers because we have the serum and then we have the whole being frozen in ice thing, but he started out as a human being. So like we have a starting point for him with like a human aging timeline that things sort of get wonky, but with Diana, she's not human. So I, who knows? It's an unanswered question. It makes me think about Thor. Um, and like I said, it's completely different because it's different mythology, everything else, but to think about him where he talks about, you know, he's hundreds or thousands or whatever years old. But then if you look at his dad and his dad's obviously aged over time as well. Um, it just seems to be a very slow process, but I don't, there's no way to know how that translates. Um, I'm sure in the comics, there's a lot more to dig into. Um, but I have no idea. I don't even want to attempt to guess. Right. All right. Um, let's move on. Do you, you don't have any unanswered questions. Cool. Let's move on to our random section. Go ahead. Um, you were talking so about the music. The music. Uh, the da na 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 Da 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 Yeah, I mean, just... That got my heart pumping. I mean, it gets you it gets you pumped up. And we first heard this score, I believe, in Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, whenever she shows up to battle. What was the thing they were battling at the end? Was That that wasn't Dark Seed. It was... um um. Whatever it was that Lex Luthor let loose on 
whatever. But she shows up, and you know that's like that would have been my what the what moment for that movie. Mm-hmm. Her just showing up and that score blaring, and mm-hmm. just I mean that's one of the great superhero scores um, connected to a character um, that I can think of. Like, it's instantly iconic. So uh, I don't know. You who- know what that Wonder Woman theme song like that that main sort of tonal thing that you just went over sounds like to me. Led Zeppelin. Ironically, it sounds like the immigrant song. Yes. Yeah. The immigrant song. Yes. Yeah. I thought the same dun, thing. Dun, 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 dun. Um, <laughs> and all I can think about is Jack Black singing. Yes. It. Singing it in the car on school. Are we going to do a school of rock? We should. Um, episode. Oh, we should. We definitely that should do that. So that is of its time. one it of my favorite movies of all time. So, uh, let's add that to the schedule. Anyway, Wonder Woman. Um, but that yeah. was the, that was the note that I had that I was wanting to mention because it's especially in a movie theater where you have the extra surround sound, all the bass, everything else like that hits you, and it does it in such a way that whenever she's coming, and I don't even remember how they do it in this movie so much. Um, I know that in other movies there's the random hints of her. That's like, oh, she's gonna be coming up. We're gonna play this in the background. But I know at least a couple of times whenever she goes full blown like. A, you know, attack mode. This is just blaring, and you're like, nothing can stop her. But this music playing right now, nothing can stop her. Um, I've had a conversation with a guy at work. I accidentally walked into the conversation, but I thought about it plenty of times. I walked in the door, and they looked at me and said, Kyle, if you're about to fight somebody, what song would you want playing at the time? And it's like, I feel like everybody, at least I've thought about it, but I feel like a lot of people are like, if I had to fight somebody, I want this playing in the background. This is gonna. This would help me be undefeated. I would just whatever I had to conquer in that moment. That's what I would need. And she doesn't necessarily need this, but when that plays, you have no doubt that she's about to conquer whatever's in front of her. That's right. Wonderful stuff. Do you have any uh, random thoughts or rabbit holes you went down, Nashby? I have one. Okay. Are you ready for it? <laughs> yes. Are you ready for it? All right. So. Ready. <clears throat> There's a world war happening. There's a person with superhuman special abilities Question. that shows up in the middle of the fight. Is this about fruit there's again? A, there's a guy named Steve. Um, yes. And then there's a special team that's put together of people who would maybe not necessarily be thought of as special people, like a Frenchman and you know, a, an Asian guy or a black guy or maybe an some Indian commandos. Maybe they're howling a, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right, right. You know, they're on the front lines and uh, fighting the Germans. So, what movie am I talking about? Who can say? Clearly, clearly, you're talking about. Clearly, you're talking about Michael Douglas's Disclosure that came out in the early nineties. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> that's it. That's the one. I just love the parallels between this movie and Captain America, the first Avenger. I love it. I love that. Uh, they're, honestly, they're uh, such beautiful Mary images. I, I think that's one of the reasons I may have enjoyed the movie as much as I did was because it felt very similar to the first Captain America movie, which I also loved because uh, it was and not, this is, not set in our time. It's, it's a period piece. Right. It, it's not me saying that she is a female Captain America. Sure, yeah. yeah. I'm no, no, saying she's... that Steve Rogers is a male Wonder Woman. <laughs> well, I think that's the part too that my, you know my complaint that I had in this movie versus you have Captain America versus the Red Skull in the other movie where you know about Red Skull in this in that movie as it continues to come out and then the fighting at the end of it. Um, sure, there's CGI in that movie, 
but there's just so much more of a real world tone versus that's where the two kind of split versus Wonder Woman splits to a heavy CGI world um, versus what his is. I do have one more thing before we move on to the next section. Okay. And this is a question for both of you, maybe, maybe mainly for Ashby, but, I, but both of you can, uh, can jump in. Uh, we mentioned uh, Steve Trevor played by Chris Pine. Chris, one of the famous four Chris's in the superhero genre, along with Chris Pratt, Chris Evans, and who's the other Chris I'm thinking of? Hemsworth. Uh, Chris Hemsworth. Hemsworth. Yes. And Chris Evans. I said Chris Evans. He's in there twice. How? The Human Torch. No, no, but it's the same guy, same actor. I'm not talking Two about totally different characters. Not talking about the characters. Though. I'm talking about okay. the actors. Okay. So pay attention. Let me ask my question. Thank you. Um, so Ashby <laughs> and Kyle, once you get put out of timeout, rank the Chris's. I feel <laughs> like I feel like the internet already tried to do this, and they the got limit does not exist. Oh wait. <laughs> for being shaming of the Chris that had to come in last. Um, so to be, to be fair, mean, they're all on the Mount Rushmore. I mean, there's no shame in being whoever the fourth person is. I can't remember on Mount Rushmore. Wait a second. Did you? How many did you? Who did you name? Chris Evans, Hemsworth. Evans, Hemsworth, Pine, and um, Pratt. Okay. Pratt. Pratt's the one I missed. I want to make sure you included him. He was the first one I said. You were too busy trying I to know. correct me no, I was before already... I even... <laughs> Sorry, you mentioned this. I can't, I can't deal with you right now. I'll be quiet. I Ashby, feel like it. it's... My rating system is always going to be based on like personal preference and the characters they play. And sure. so I, I feel like there's no really good way to like definitively rate the Hollywood Chris's. But mine would be Chris Evans, obviously, because he's Captain America. Is he number one or number four? Oh, he's number one. He's number one. Number two, Chris Pine, because he is he is James Tiberius Kirk. He's Captain Kirk. He is my Captain Kirk. Um, so like, I mean, even if you take Wonder Woman out of the equation, Chris Pine's number two, and then Hemsworth because he's just wonderful and cute and delightful and Australian. Um, and then Chris Pine. I mean, Chris Pratt is going to have to be number four. Sorry, Chris Pratt. I just, you know, like, I, I love Jurassic World. <laughs> I, I feel like she did her best, like Steve Carell there, where um, from The Office, where Michael Scott's listing his heroes. And he's mm-hmm. like, you know, I think, uh, well, Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King, Bono, and I guess I guess God would be the fourth one. <laughs> I mean, <Yeah. laughs> Exactly. I, am, I am not saying Chris Pratt is God. <laughs> I mean, he's a space god. This is true. He's half celestial. Uh, you want to rank him, Kyle? Sure. <laughs> it's Half of it's easy and half of it's hard. Versus Chris Evans is number one for me. Just because Captain America, obviously, just his character. And Human Torch. <laughs> yeah, we... And we'll forget about him being. We won't in. hold that against him. Yeah. Well, I don't know. There's rumors he might be reprising that role. The first time I ever met hey. Chris Evans was in. Um, is it not another teen movie? Yes. Yeah. That's my first interference so to him. My first experience with him was in the movie Cellular hmm. with Jessica Biel. It's a no. great, great little movie, by the way. Um, Look, I feel like any points you have to strike off for him for the uh, Fantastic Four. You then have to add back for the losers because he was amazing mm, in that. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, my second yeah. will actually be Chris Pratt. 
Um, I just really enjoy Chris Pratt. I think he's really funny. But a lot of that, the same way, it comes from Parks and Rec, where I love him on Parks and Rec. Um, so there's that connection for me. The okay. other two are hard. That's the hard ones for me. Um, because I have a lot more of a connection, or at least have seen so much more with Hemsworth, that I feel like he's there. But at the same time, when I watch these Wonder Woman movies, anytime Pine's in there, I really like him as a character. Um, so I don't know. Maybe we'll just do two of their faces, and each one will be half face, half face. Maybe this can be a question we put on the gram this weekend. Sounds Start good. I'll put a poll on put our a, stories. Put a poll on the stories, yep. Rank your Chris's. That's right. Cool, cool, cool. Chris Rhodes is there somewhere. We're Chris Rhodes. Sure well, Chris Rhodes is in the non-Hollywood Chris's for me. Okay. I mean, I think. Oh, wait, wait. Uh, Chris Rhodes was in there? That would be my number one. Yeah, Sorry, obviously. Chris Rhodes, number one. I think if we're Go ranking back. Chris's, we know. I think Chris Rhodes is number one. I think Chris Creech, the my coworker, is number two. I think myself is number three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I don't know who four would be. but <laughs> Yeah. So. Santa Claus. Santa Claus, yes. Yeah. Chris Kringle, mm. yes, of course, of course. <laughs> what was your what the what moment for the movie? I love the scene where she comes out of the trenches. Um, the no man lands. The scene. no man land yeah. scene where she starts just crawling up, or like, you know, not even crawling, but just how they film it, where she's stepping up that ladder and starts going. That was mine too. Yeah. We agree. Wonderful. I'm not going to go into all the detail. Literally, you can go on YouTube and just watch the clip if you want to see it. But it's just, it's an amazing thing because you see her confidence grow as well. First part of this comes out. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm just talking. Eric's pulling me into the screen. Yes. Um, no one's watching, but if they do watch, I want them to see part yeah. of your face. And not, yeah. But I love how at first she, you get the sense she's jumping out of there like, I feel like I can do this, but more so I've got to do this. Like This is what I need to do. But then as she's doing it, you continue to see her confidence grow as, oh, I've got this. You know, by the time she's halfway across that thing, she has no worries at all about how making it to the other side. Not to say she was ever worried per se, but you can just see her face as things happen and how she grows in her confidence to be like, oh, yeah, I got this. Well, and this is also the first time that we really get to see Steve see what she can do. Like he saw the Amazon fight on the beach, but I think that – you know, the beauty of Steve Trevor's character is that, you know, moving towards the later half of this movie and all through Wonder Woman 84, he really is Donna, uh, Donna. Oh, it's been a long day. Mm-hmm. Diana's supporting, like he's the supporting role. Sure. So he's normally, he's, he's not really a damsel in distress, but he's normally where you would see like, the plucky sidekick or, you know, like maybe the girl behind the guy going like, go get him, honey. Like you, you punch him in the face. You give him a, what in a, uh, in a, you know, give him a, so, give him a, what for sure. A good, what right, for. Exactly. <laughs> and so I really love that. Like he uses this moment and as a man, he could either see her just like taking names and get really um, like, nervous and like prideful and kind of get really like manly about it and be like, Oh, this, you know, like, let me try to whatever. But instead he rallies all the soldiers to, to push behind her, to support her. Mm -hmm. And then you see him throughout the rest of the movie, just really being her 
like support guy. Like he's her point guy. He's like, we're going to let Diana be Diana and do Diana. And we're going to do everything we can to make sure that like we're running interference for her. And he has no qualms about coming in second best behind her because he realizes what she's capable of. And I think that's the beauty of Steve Trevor's character. And, you know, he really takes her under his wing and introduces her to, you know, the, the, a, the modern age, modern at that time, and the human world. But this is the first scene that sort of begins his role of supporting her as like the warrior that she is. Um, and I think that's really wonderful. Agreed. I concur. Is there any question about who won the movie? I mean, Diana. Yeah. Do we agree with that? I went a little deeper and just said I think Gal Gadot actually wins. And I probably don't know if it's 100% how to say her last name. Um, I think you got that one right. Nice. You did. Um, You did. Yeah. My only, you know, experience with her before this was Giselle and Fast and Furious Mm -hmm. franchise, which I liked her in that too. Like, I'm not saying anything negative, but... I just remember whenever it was announced that she was cast as Wonder Woman, everybody flipped out and was like, this is never going to work. That's not who Wonder Woman is. She can't be Wonder Woman. It's honestly the same way anytime anybody's announced, unless it's super obvious. Um, But I feel like um, a lot of it was the fact that the world didn't know who Wonder Woman was. We, the same way growing up, you look at Superman and he's wearing red, white, and red and blue and you assume he's some giant you know american savior um and you looked at wonder woman who was wearing you know yellow eagle gold and red and everything else in blue and she was some giant you know american thing turns out you know she's not american at all but we see her portrayed a lot especially way back when you know um you had linda carter and not to knock on her like she was you know amazing wonder woman her own right but a lot of people just saw Wonder Woman as a lady that wore a whole lot of, not much, that was very big chested and did, did her thing and was powerful. And I hate to say it that way, but honestly, that's just kind of what it was. And all of a sudden she comes out and the world's like, oh, that's not what we picture Wonder Woman to be at all. And then you finally see her as Wonder Woman. You're actually, you know, you say to yourself, no, that actually is exactly what Wonder Woman should be. We've just had the wrong idea all along. Um, I don't know. It just really stood out to me. I left really excited. I went into it not knowing what to expect just because so much criticism, so much you just didn't know. But she really portrayed it in a great job that I feel she is Wonder Woman now. Like there's not a somebody else can just kind of put on the suit or whatever else. You know, years and years from now, they may do it the same way they've done with Batman over and over. But the same way I feel like, you know, she takes a very strong, the same way any character that we have in the Marvel Universe I feel just as strongly about her as Wonder Woman. Like, that is who Wonder Woman is now. Agreed. Agreed. Ashby, can I introduce you for your new segment here? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. I know you have yourself introducing yourself, but I want to give you some gravitas here. So, if you've tuned in to one of our Running the Infinity Gauntlet series, you know that we spend part of each episode taking a look at a vital piece of the MCU that helps shape the Infinity Saga. So let's afford that same courtesy to our lady Diana. 
And Ashby, let's chat a little bit about that glowing lasso of truth. The lasso of truth. This is my favorite Wonder Woman accoutrement, if you will, since we're going with French big Wow. I that sounds... Yeah. <laughs> wow. I'm just glad I know somebody like Ashby. Like, she makes us look smarter. Or dumber. You're welcome. <laughs> no, we it's just the, don't... We just hang out, and she gets to be the smart one, and we just agree. Because it's she, the glasses. If I take the glasses off, I stop using big words. <laughs> oh, okay. That's the secret. I, That's I, our problem. We can't see well, so our words don't work. I'll be right back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, see, you know, Clark Kent, mm-hmm. Superman. You see how that works? You know? Wait, whoa, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Where dash we go? <laughs> <laughs> Literature we, minor. We, you, we lost you for, whoa, whoa. Who's Goodness that? Nature. Who's in your house, Ashby? <laughs> oh, hey. Literature I, I, minor. Ashby, we lost you. Oh, oh my goodness, she's gone. (laughs) (laughs) The people listening to this podcast are like wondering what the heck is going on. What is happening? (laughs) What am I listening to? to Lasso of truth. truth. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, so we talk a little bit about um, the lasso in terms of pre crisis and post crisis because, you know, anyone who's watched uh, the CW lately (laughs) knows that in the DC universe, we talk about, you know, before crisis and after crisis. Or you um, could be like Black so, Lightning and ignore the crisis altogether. <laughs> anyway. I mean, yeah. So pre-crisis lasso was formed from Aphrodite's girdle and forced whomever was bound within it to obey the commands of whomever held the other end. This effect could be used on larger groups of people, although this reduced its efficacy. In addition to being unbreakable, the lasso was also infinitely elastic. Eventually, Diana coated it in a special Amazon chemical that allowed it to transform her civilian clothes into Wonder Woman's garb. Diana demonstrated a remarkable level of skill with the lasso, performing such feats as twirling it to create air currents upon which she could float and spinning it to emit certain frequencies that disrupted one of her nemesis spells. So that's sort of getting into some of the things that we were going to see in later movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but then post-crisis, the lasso of truth is the primary weapon employed by Wonder Woman and um, was forged by the god Hephaestus from the golden girdle of Gaia that was once worn by Antiope, sister of the future queen Hippolyta. The lasso is completely unbreakable, immutable, and indestructible and is approximately 150 feet long. It, it is able to restore people's lost memories hypnotize people, get rid of illusions, and people who are in the circumference will be protected from magical attacks. Um, Empowered by the fires of Hestia, the lasso forces anyone held by it to tell and understand the absolute truth. Recently, the lasso has been shown to actually transport Diana's mind into that of whomever is tied within it. Its effects can be very dangerous, and not everyone is capable of facing the truth of their actions stripped bare of excuses. The Amazon Artemis, inexperienced with the use of the lasso, inadvertently drove a man to suicide after tying him in it, and the lasso reduced both Captain Nazi and Ares, god of war, to tearful surrender by revealing to them the truth of their violent actions. So even though we don't necessarily see all of its true power yet in the movies, the Lasso of Truth is actually indeed a super powerful weapon in uh, Diana's arsenal. Great job. Fantastic job. Thank you. Well, I feel like that explains a little bit more for 84, where yes. like that rope goes on forever. Forever. Anyway, 
Mm-hmm. A long time ago, when time was new, and all of history was still a dream, the gods ruled the earth. This is a great voice. Zeus, king among them. Zeus created beings over which the gods would rule. Being born in his image, fair and good, strong and passionate. And now, three of those beings bring to you six fun facts about this movie. Kyle, would you please go first? I will, but if we ever put out uh, our children's book that we've talked about on like online or you know on audiobook, we need you to narrate, narrate in that voice. Uh, no, 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 no. Absolutely. No, no, no. Yes. If it's a children's book, I'm using my funny voices. That was a serious voice. No, that was a great like father figure voice. We'll see. Not saying you do it the entire book, but as a good father figure or somebody. I've got several voices we can use. Okay, we'll find out the more. That was the first time I've heard that one. I've I've got a face for voice acting, so. Oh, <laughs> great job. Um, <laughs> the first one I'll do is something that I noticed watching the movie. Um, I don't remember when exactly Erica and I started getting into comic books, but she used to always go with me, and I was more so the one that was really getting into it. But every time we would go, she would look and be like, oh, well, I'll pick up something, you know, and so... She really got into Harley Quinn, and then she really got in, you know, somewhat into Wonder Woman and started reading those books. Um, whenever we had started reading the New 52, it happened, which kind of reset all of the DC comics and got them started. Um, but So I read at least the first couple of books before going to see this movie. Um, and there's a scene in it that very much is pretty much right out of that comic book. Uh, it's simple where she's, like, trying ice cream for the first time. And she's like really excited and talking to this little girl beside her, I believe, and just really pumped about it. Um, and that's literally right out of the comic book. It was her first time like trying ice cream, and she was just so excited and like talking to this little girl beside her, and thought she was pretty much an idiot. Um, but that took that right out of the comic book. It was really cool in theaters to see that happening, um, and just kind of being on the inside of it. It's not a major moment, but it was just something cool. So that's my first fun fact. Cool, Ashby. So, <clears throat> General Heinrich Ludendorff was a real person, and hmm. he was ruthless, although not necessarily more so than any other high-ranking commander in World War One. As supreme commander of the German forces, he authorized the use of mustard gas, a highly corrosive agent, um, and depending on the exposure, would inflict temporary or permanent blindness, lasting damage to the lungs, and a painful death. So... I just thought that was interesting that they based that character on someone who was a real-life person. Oh, that's cool. Nice. I really like that name, too. Ludendorff. Ludendorff. Yeah, sounds, Ludendorff. sounds like a cough drop. <laughs> All right. I was about to say, I feel like I need a cough drop. Yeah. <laughs> Number three. There were no deleted scenes, but Patty Jenkins had to fight hard for, you know that scene that we all described as our what-the-what what moment? Mm -hmm. She had to fight for that scene. Uh, she said, we didn't cut one scene in this movie, nor did we change the order of one scene in this movie from the script that we went in shooting with. That said, there is no director's cut because what Jenkins envisioned is exactly what is in theaters. However, she had to fight for one scene, the one in No Man's Land, where Diana Prince becomes her true warrior self in a wasteland. Some question her idea, and she even put the sequences on a storyboard to convince everyone. It wasn't the most obvious scene to some of the people working with me because she's not fighting anyone, but I knew that scene had to have absolutely everything in it, she said to Rolling Stone. It's about her. We're not angry at the Germans. This is what she needs to do to get across No Man's Land, and so it's about her, she explained in another interview with Fandango. 
not the wrestler. <laughs> Kyle, number four. Let's see which one I'm going to go with. Um, I'll do this one since my wife's pregnant right now. Gal Gadot was part of reshoots for the movie Wonder Woman, including stunts, while being five months pregnant. She was visibly pregnant, so the crew created a costume which had a green screen around her belly, which was later removed during post-production. Very I nice. need one of those around my belly all the time. Me too. Edit Me that too. out. Yep. <laughs> Just green screen that belly right out. <laughs> yep. Um, that that was one of my favorite quotes from the movie when she's talking to Etta Candy and they're they're shopping for clothes for her, and Diana sees corsets for the first time and is like, "Is this what your females wear as armor?" And Etta's like, "No, it's meant to to hide your tummy." And Diana's like, "Why would you want to hide your tummy?" And Etta's like. Well, of course, a woman with no tummy would say something like that. Number five. So mine also happens to be about Gil Godot's body in a way. Um, I just thought it was really interesting that she trained for nine months mm-hmm. to gain 17 pounds of pure muscle for this role. Um, and apparently a lot of it, because it was like very life muscle, didn't show up in the final film, uh, you know, by fan standards, I guess they were like, she doesn't look that muscular. Um, and apparently some fans also complained that she looked too thin to play the character, but you know, those people can go, they can go jump off the cliffs of Themyscira. (laughs) Exactly. I was going to say 17 pounds, just hang out with me in quarantine and you'll gain 17 Mm -hmm. pounds. But then you said of muscle and I was like, Oh, never mind. I cannot help with Michael Thompson. I cannot help with that. Mm All right, number six. Uh, this is not specifically towards the movie, but this is about her movie and TV history in general. For some reason, Wonder Woman had a slow start making it to television, unlike Batman or Superman, who appeared in the 1940s serials. The first attempt at a Wonder Woman series was a botched attempt in 1967 to portray her as the young daughter of a traditional matriarch who does not understand why she does not want to just settle down with a man. Watch the teaser. It's awkward. It's actually on YouTube. Kathy Lee Crosby starred in the 1974 TV movie, which took its lead from the powerless Wonder Woman of the mod era, giving her a star-spangled jumpsuit and sending her after villain Abner Smith, Ricardo Montalban, by the way, who stole code books from the American government. The special actually did decently, but ABC decided to retool their approach, which paved the way for Linda Carter and the well-known series of the late 1970s. The original pilot in, 19, in November 1975 was a success, followed by two one-hour specials in the spring of 1976. Then, 11 episodes comprised the first full season um, in the 76-77 TV season. While a rating success, the show switched networks to CBS, who reduced the period piece budgetary cost by shifting it from the World War II era to the 1970s, where Diana Prince now a full-fledged government agent, was working with Steve Trevor's lookalike son, and that show lasted until 1979. Since that time, efforts to bring Wonder Woman back to TV or the movies have not been so valiant. A 2011 TV series created by David E. Kelly, starring Adrian Palicki in the, uh, in the title role, um, was uh, brought to, I believe it was uh, the WB, um, or it might have been ABC, uh, but Diana Prince was the CEO of... Uh, how do you pronounce her homeland again? Themyscira? Themyscira. Themyscira, yeah. Industries, which is a nod to the renamed Paradise Island from the comments. Her privately run crime-fighting organization, her identity was not so secret. Her plane was highly visible. And her lasso was used as a normal weapon, not as a truth-telling device. The pilot was never aired. The show never got its wings. 
But finally, the goddess superhero got her own movie after appearing in Batman v Superman, the Wonder Woman movie, which came out June 2nd, uh, 2017, as we've talked about starred Gal Gadot in the title role, and it kicked some awesome butt at the box office. So, for sure. For sure. All right, we're down to the social media shout-out section. Um, and apparently that's my job this week because we're using Kyle's phone to film our Facebook stuff. So, um, Ashby, if you have a way of looking up maybe Instagram, um, that would be fantastic. And yes. Cool. Yes, so hold this on. is this is, on, this is from Facebook. This is on Kyle's post from 10 hours ago. Um, Chris Rode commented, I haven't seen it yet. With a smiley face with no mouth. So, I'm waiting on Chris. What are you waiting on, Chris? We're dropping you in the rankings. Mm-hmm. Um, Hunter Batten said, definitely the best DCU film, but that isn't saying much. And he's a big DC fan. He's a big DC fan. So he's so being honest. He's being it. honest. Joy Woods Wright says she loves Wonder Woman. She thinks it is the best in the DC world right now. She loves the story, and she loves how that she evolves throughout the movie. She's determined to be or do good and rid the world of evil. She's always looking for a glimmer of hope that everyone has good in them. And uh, Kevin Savigny said, I enjoy the classic feel of the film, along with the nods to empowering or uncovering the natural power of the ladies. Let's look at some other possible comments i don't think we have many uh no comments on instagram none on the gram it's just a lot of likes got a lot of likes on on the book too here there's a couple more on my mind from yesterday all right let's go to kyle's page from yesteryear let's see all right we got nine comments here okay wow all right so start here matt Tarte, Tartiglia. I know him, and I still can't pronounce yep. his name. And he says, there's a GIF, and it's a thumbs down. Mm-hmm. Wow. Shocker. And he says, to be fair, I haven't actually watched it all the way through, but the parts I caught did not pique my interest. LOL. Jordan Edgerton says, I need to be on this pod. Oh, oops. We're a little late, Jordan. Sorry. We're just trying to figure it out, getting enough the three of us together. Versus trying to get someone else right now. But he says that he loved it and he would get on his soapbox about this movie. So, Jordan, if you are listening, you know, we'll have to arrange some other time. Maybe we can get you on for the 1984 episode. Maybe we should build a soapbox. <laughs> just let Jordan just what, I mean, talk what, about it. I hear about a soapbox all the time, but I don't actually know what a soapbox looks like. I would assume it's the box that soap comes in. And if I were to stand on that soapbox, it would crumble. Well, back in the, in the long times of ghosts. Or, you know, soap used to be a lot bigger. So, they took a lot bigger boxes. I don't know what that boop-boop sound is, but it's awesome. I don't even know if you can hear that, folks. Do you have an R2-D2 in your house, Ashby? Do I have a what? Do you hear that sound? Do you hear that beeping sound? No. I think it's your phone. It may be my phone. It's just awesome. Like, I don't know what that is. But randomly, it's, it did it earlier in the podcast. And when I, was, I looked, I was like, what was that? And then neither one of us had a clue. We were like, oh, Ashby must have that happening. Wow. But it must be my phone since you can't hear it. So, huh. I don't know. It does this random. No, I can't hear it. Boop, boop. Beep, boop, boop. Beep, beep. Boop. All right. Boop, boop. Well, big thank you. Maybe it's the aliens. Could Maybe. be. <laughs> big thank you to Ricky Lyles. Ricky Lyles. For all his contributions to today's episode. Next week. Mm. <laughs> 
It is the episode you've all been waiting for. Well, Ashby's been the one that Ashby's been waiting for. We continue our journey training into the MCU in our running the Infinity Gauntlet series with the first film of Phase Three. That's right, folks. We're doing Captain America: Civil. War. Yeah. Whose side are you on? Are you Team Iron Man? Are you Team Cap? I'm sure we're going to debate this next week. But until next time, a scorpion must sting. A wolf must hunt. Stay as cool as the other side of the pillow. We will see you next week on the What the Watch Show. Are you Scar from The Lion King now? <laughs> Maybe. That's I'm, what that sounds like. So you're saying I do a really good Jeremy Irons impression? Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. We'll see you next week, folks. What the what? Bye.